and welcome back to the final episode in Series 7 of State of Mind. Thank you so much for sticking with me for this series. It's been fascinating, some really, really amazing guests. If you missed an episode, go back and take a listen. So today I'm talking about coffee. Coffee is one of those things that's been in the media so much and it's in the news all the time. Is it good for us or is it not? So today I have Alex Manos rejoining the podcast and Alex Hingham, the founder of Exhale Healthy Coffee. So this is going to be an unbiased episode, although obviously slightly biased because we all know how much I love Exhale Coffee. But this episode looks at the research and what we know about caffeine and coffee respectively. We also talk about decaf, um, the different preparation methods, how coffee's grown, potential mold contamination in coffee, and underlying all of that, of course, is the question of individual tolerance. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think it will be really interesting, really useful for lots of you. And if you would like to try some of Exhale's coffee, then Alex has kindly set up a 40% discount code. It's GRACE. G-R-A-C-E, all in capitals. And this gives you 40% off your first two deliveries in a no commitment, one click cancel subscription. So there you go, what are you waiting for? Um, And thank you so much again for tuning in to State of Mind. Amazing, and I'm live with Alex and Al, the dream team. We're going to talk about coffee today. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good afternoon. Hi, Grace. Hi, really happy to be here. (laughs) This is really exciting. I can't believe I haven't done an episode on this topic yet. Um, Let's introduce ourselves. Everyone knows who I am. Alex Manos, they also know who you are. Welcome (laughs) back to the podcast. Yeah, I think this is the first time I've I've been back on a podcast. That's exciting. (laughs) This might be, this is the third time you've been on State of Mind. That's pretty good going. Is it the third? Yeah. Um, and and Al, tell us about yourself. Yeah. Hi, I'm the, the founder of Exhale. Uh, he was kind of my brainchild. And uh, yeah, I'm the guy who's been driving it forward for the last year, really. So yeah, it's my baby. Incredible. So we're going to start with the difference between, well, making the distinction and I think the quite necessary distinction between coffee and caffeine and recognizing that actually some of the benefits and in the literature and the studies come from actually decaffeinated coffee and not always caffeinated coffee and today's going to be about I guess this question of you know is it good for us is it not we're all addicted we're all obsessed there's nothing as nice as a cup of coffee in the morning so Let's jump into to this separation between caffeine and coffee. And in terms of, I guess, benefits, uh, Alex Manos, are we looking at more to do with caffeine having the positive benefits that we associate with coffee? Or is it to do with the bean itself? So it's obviously a really key question because another common question is around, obviously, caffeine sometimes contributing to obviously the the jitters or people sleep issues etc so there is a really kind of key conversation around can I have some good healthy decaf as a way to get these health benefits and the answer is for the vast majority of the research yes ultimately so it does appear that based on a lot of the research which has shown some quite big reductions in risk of various conditions and in fact uh, some of the research shows a 10% 
reduction in all-cause mortality, which is my favourite stat. It's kind of saying you're less likely to die uh, by drinking coffee. Um, And that is true for caffeine or decaf coffee. Um, But we see 20% reduction in cardiovascular mortality, uh, 30% reduction in mortality from stroke. Various cancers are at reduced risk on average by 18%. So we've got things like prostate cancer, melanoma, oral cancer, leukaemia, liver cancer, colon Mm -hmm. cancer, uh, lung cancer. They vary, but um, on average, we're talking about almost a 20% reduced risk. There's a 30% reduction in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. There's a 25% reduction in type 2 diabetes. There's a 25% reduction in Parkinson's disease, 65% in Alzheimer's. Um, And it kind of, it goes on and on. And the research does suggest that a lot of these reduced risks are more associated with uh, polyphenols and antioxidants and some of these other compounds in the coffee rather than the caffeine per Mm. se. Um, There is one exception that I know of, and I think it's Parkinson's disease. I always forget whether it's Parkinson's or um, MS, multiple sclerosis, but there is one where it does appear that caffeine is actually one of the key compounds that provide some of the reduced risks and the benefits associated Mm. with it. Um, But generally speaking, to cut a long answer short, uh, decaf can provide a lot of these benefits as well. Amazing. And I think you've you've gone in there at the jugular because what you've done straight away is for people that are listening to this podcast saying, please, God, can they tell me that my morning coffee is good for me? The answer kind of overwhelmingly seems like yes. Um, I think as we'll we'll go on to kind of discuss, I think there's, you know, nuance around that answer and there's there's individual um, tolerance to be taken into account. But um, Al, I'm really keen to hear about the, the decaf aspect of what Alex was saying. So obviously... We'll, we'll touch on kind of what polyphenols are in a minute, but we can get a lot of these benefits from decaf coffee. Historically, or at least a few years ago, decaf was never something that I bought because I was, you just heard these stories about the process and how it was made and how it was a, it was a chemical process to strip the caffeine from the beans. Um, but all that has changed, hasn't it? It has changed. And I think decaf did Um, get a bad rep because it used to I mean most of the the more mass-produced decafs use uh, chemicals so there's some um, methylene chloride is one which is a byproduct or formaldehyde is a byproduct of it so so they use some they can use some quite nasty chemicals to decaffeinate the coffee Um, and but more recently as that's kind of been highlighted as an issue um, things like the processes like the Swiss water method have popped up um, and the Swiss water method uses only water. It doesn't use any nasty chemicals. And um, our caf- coffee is actually processed by another one, which is quite similar to that called the mountain water process. Um, and it uses only the purest spring water from the highest mountain in Mexico, the Pico de Orizaba, and nothing else. Um, and the benefits that that has is that it doesn't leave any kind of chemical residues in the coffee itself, but also... Um, some of the chemical processes can leach out some of these polyphenols and other healthy compounds so that the water mm. processes leave all of those in place. So how does that water process actually work? Is it do you soak the beans? How does it actually strip the caffeine from the bean? Yeah, so the caffeine's water soluble. So you actually soak the beans in water and ah. then the, the caffeine and other water soluble compounds removed into the water 
Then it's put through a filtration process to remove just the caffeine. And then the beans are re-soaked in the water and the, the, the other things in it are reabsorbed. Mm. Uh, and then the beans are dried out after that. I see. Yeah. And actually what you find these days when you have a, a decaf, it's as flavoursome as a normal coffee, whereas... 10 years ago it had absolutely no flavor at all did it exactly and also the the on the healthy side the the good news is that these polyphenols are left intact in the coffee and we actually tested our decaf and it had uh, it actually had marginally more polyphenols than the caffeinated coffee so yeah so it's, they're all still there amazing so alex manos going back to these polyphenols um what are they for the people listening and why are they so good for us? Yeah, I think the simple answer is they're kind of plant compounds. Um, So they're found in a lot of plants. We find them in our food. Um, We find them in various berries, carrots, potatoes, for example, as just examples. Um, So they're plant-based compounds. They're compounds produced by these sorts of plants and beans. And um, they have Certainly chlorogenic acid, which is the main polyphenol that's been researched with the coffee bean, it has quite potent antioxidant, anti-inflammatory properties. And as a result, has kind of anti-fibrotic and anti-cancer properties, as we sort of saw earlier. And Mm. it's thought that some of the, uh, maybe potentially a lot of the health benefits that we've listed are associated with the fact that they do have these antioxidant, anti-inflammatory properties. And, you know, we all now are very aware of the role that inflammation plays in a lot of these sorts of conditions. Um, mm. And this is one of the reasons why coffee can uh, can give us these sort of health benefits. So antioxidants are something that we should all be on the lookout for in our diets to be kind of optimally healthy, I suppose. Um, and, and coffee is one way of doing that. But is it you know, for, for people that are listening, thinking, oh, great, I'll just have a cup of coffee and then I'm sort of set for the day. It's just one of a, a group that we need, right? It's not like we can just say, it's this amazing miracle food. I don't need to worry about eating my vegetables. I mean, the interesting thing with coffee is that there are lots of studies. There's a, a 2004 Norwegian study which showed that um, on average, coffee contributes 66% of your total dietary intake of antioxidants for the average person. But is that because people averagely have terrible diets, but they all drink coffee? The average person indeed probably does have terrible diets, but thank God they're drinking coffee is the only thing I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess yeah. to some extent that's true. <laughs> no, exactly. And it's kind of, you know, it, it's, it seems like a quick win. It's an easy one that most people already drink. Most people already have in their diet. So kind of go for an optimum, optimised version that has more antioxidants. And, you know, we're never saying, we're not here to say swap it for fruits and vegetables, just to say that it deserves a place in a, in a healthy diet alongside mm. fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Now, if people are listening to this thinking, oh, this, you know, this all sounds great and, you know, maybe... I should be including coffee or but they but they know that for them it's something that makes them feel not their best. Um Alex you mentioned earlier kind of jittery and actually that's something I ask most of my clients when we're talking about coffee is you know what what response are you having from it? Are you feeling really kind of all over the place? Do you get the coffee sweats? Are you jittery? You know, how does it sit with you personally? Because there must be space in this conversation for individual tolerance, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, So 
that's always got to be taken into consideration. Um, the one thing that I find really interesting is there is research indicating that higher polyphenol rich coffees seem to have kind of an anti-anxiety effect. So in fact, not only do we see that in kind of the research, but anecdotally, we're seeing that in the feedback with exhale coffee, which is people who know mm-hmm. they normally get the jitters or feel a little bit anxious or it impacts sleep, etc. They're finding that because of the level of chlorogenic acids in the exhale coffee, they're not having that same amount of jitteriness. And sometimes it's not there. So there is a really interesting connection even between kind of polyphenols and this impact of it. Um, but there are obviously other things that you can do as well. So even if you were to experience a little bit of that, um, sometimes having it obviously post breakfast rather than just first thing in the morning is a way to actually blunt out some of that. So that it mm-hmm. kind of is, are you literally having it first thing in the morning when you obviously are getting a rise in the stress hormones to give you that get up and go, hopefully. Um, so it sometimes can just be delaying it by an hour or two and having your breakfast, having it mid morning or having it just post breakfast, uh, would yeah. also make a difference. Um, but yeah, I, I do and have actually encouraged people to try the exhale coffee with that sort of historic reaction to coffee and more times mm. than not, they have come back saying that actually they're really surprised by the fact that they can tolerate it. I wanted to to talk actually about coffee on an empty stomach, because again, that's one of those sort of things that gets passed around. And, you know, we hear like either we should or we shouldn't. Um, obviously, as you mentioned there, we have this cortisol awakening response in the morning where our bodies naturally secrete stress hormones to, to get us out of bed and get us ready for the day. Um, Coffee increases stress hormones too, doesn't it? Yes. So you're going to see a natural rise there. And as a result, you will see things like, um, at least in the short term, an increase in blood pressure, for example. So there is that sort of bit of a stress response ultimately that is going on. There is a stimulatory impact on the body, obviously. So I think that's where kind of the context comes into it. And it's a little bit like, People who have adverse food reactions who notice they can go away and suddenly eat their ice cream in Italy and things and not have that same reaction. So it's like, what is your morning routine like? Um, If you're someone who is prone to waking up at the last minute, jumping in the shower, getting in the car and getting to work all in 10 minutes, you might not want to combine a really strong cup of coffee at the same time because you've already got a stressful 10 minutes going on there. Whereas can you actually create a ritual out of your morning coffee? So my morning ritual is after a a warm slash cold shower, I'll brew my coffee, I'll go outside and I'll spend anything from 10 to 30 minutes, depending on what's happening with baby. Um, And I will just be looking up at the sky, looking at birds flying over, looking at the planes, trying to basically create a real kind of mindfulness exercise out of it. And I have a completely different experience to the coffee or my response to the coffee based on that kind of context. So, you know, I think those are some of the nuances that we also have to be thinking about sometimes. Uh, Whereas if you've got an interview or something and you're already feeling a bit anxious, then it may be that you want to prioritise a decaf coffee where you're still getting all of these chlorogenic acids, but you're not risking the potential of having a you know, an additional stress response when you're already in an excessively stressed state. So it's kind of just getting the balance there. Um, But for me, it's very much about can you create a ritual out of it? And I remember uh, reading in a mindfulness book, this idea of 
making it also a gratitude practice. So can you think about the people growing the coffee beans, the people packaging it up, the people transporting it, the people grinding it if it's being ground, etc. And can you really have quite an immersive experience? And that is going to influence your stress response and again, how you're reacting to it. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm a big advocate of, you know, having this as a ritual, not as another part of a manic morning. I appreciate, mm. you know, it's not always within our control. <laughs> mm. I actually think that's so interesting what you said about the the interview, um, because quite often I feel like you reach for a coffee thinking that you need the caffeine and the, 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 the caffeine boost. But actually, in a lot of those situations, your body's probably already in that hypersensitized kind of fight or flight response if you're slightly nervous about something. And the last thing you need yeah. is caffeine. A decaf would be totally fine, but you feel like you need the caffeine um, to get you into into kind of like fight mode. But actually, you don't need it. So yeah. Really interesting. Um, Al, what is your, as the founder of a, a healthy coffee company, mm. what is your morning routine with regards to when you have yours? <laughs> um, I mean, so every morning I I wake up um, at around, so I have two little kids. So basically they wake up at around eight o'clock every morning. So I get up at six o'clock, two hours to myself every morning. And it's kind of the, the, the especially since lockdown, it's the only alone time I get working from home. So I'll get up at six, I'll have a, a double espresso um, and then I'll either go out for a long run or go and go to the gym or I'll do some work. But it's kind of, it almost just signifies the, the morning, the start of the, the day, really. And it's mm. probably, yeah, not the best time to have it on an empty stomach, but still it's, it like signals that, right, let's kick into action, ready for the morning. Yeah. yeah. I also find the, it... The- Oh, sorry, Grace. Go on, Alex. No, no, I was go just going to say, I also find it tastes much better on an empty stomach first thing in the morning. I don't know if that's just I a agree. me thing or not. Yeah? <laughs> no, it, it it does. It's not as satisfying. I have moved to having mine after my breakfast um, because I have a cup of tea first thing. But I agree, it's not, it's not the same. It's not. <laughs> which is really strange. Um so I'm just jumping onto my Instagram stories because I totally forgot to do this in advance. I have had so many questions about coffee. Um, so first question, how do you know as a consumer if a coffee is good quality and mould free? If you're not buying Exhale, just, you know. <laughs> Alex, should I, do you want to try and answer that one? Oh, do you want to go with the first I mean, part? I'll, I'll chip in maybe about the mould bit. Yeah, it's really... Yeah, so for the I think for the mold bit it's probably really hard, really difficult. But the quality of the coffee, I mean, in general, there's a few kind of giveaway telltale signs. Like the darker roasted coffees um, tend to be um, unhealthy, uh, less healthy because some of the, the the healthiest compounds in coffee, the chlorogenic acid, the polyphenols. Um, and even some of the others, like the, the cafeston cariol, um, they start in their highest concentration in the unroasted bean. And as you roast the coffee, they slowly degrade through the roasting process. And then at around a medium to just beyond medium roast, they drop off a cliff. So if you're drinking a dark roasted coffee, um, you could have lost up to 90% of the chlorogenic acid of the, the healthiest compounds in coffee. So you're not getting all of that benefit. Um, and that's where during our process, we roasted it lots of different ways, plotted all of those different ways of roasting it on a graph to find out where that drop off point was to make sure that we stayed earlier than that drop off point. 
Um, another telltale sign is if you see oils on the surface of the bean. So two of the healthiest compounds, cafestol and carweol, are associated with their, their fat soluble. So they're associated with the, the, the oils and the fatty acids in coffee. So as you roast the coffee and it gets in towards a darker roast, the oils start leaving the bean and you'll see a shiny surface to the bean. And that's a telltale sign that a lot of the cafestol and carweol has been roasted out of the coffee. So it's too dark. So, so yeah, visually you can tell a few things. Cool. That's super interesting. And... Alex, you wanted to add something about mould in coffee. Yeah, I mean, there's not a huge amount to add in regards to the, specifically to the question because you just, you don't know. So unless the company are um, mm. testing the coffee and kind of letting you know that they're doing that, then I guess there's no real way of knowing. Um, I'm in the process of doing a bit of a, a research deep dive into this element of it as well in regards to what is the uh, significance, how can it impact it, um, there is some research indicating that at least with some mycotoxins, that if you've got healthy gut function with appropriate stomach acid, etc., that actually we are sort of neutralizing some of these mycotoxins anyway. So they may not be problematic, or at least those specific mycotoxins may not be problematic. Um, mm. So I'm not yet at a point where I have a uh, a sound, confident thought process for myself around this um but at this point in time i would certainly be considering that anyone who knows they have mold mycotoxin issues it's obviously just a bit of a no-brainer for someone who's robustly healthy uh, it may be less problematic um but don't quote me on that <laughs> at this mm. point in time one thing i would add actually is that coffee does stale quite quickly so there's no visible signs of staling on coffee um, but it does stale, especially after it's been ground. So you want to be drinking a coffee within a, a month or two of when it was roasted. So if you're buying um, a lot of the coffees that you buy from a supermarket, for example, that have been sitting on the shelf for a while, um, could be months old. So you have no idea when they were ground. So mm. there, there's a very good possibility that they will have started staling already. So you want to get a coffee that's as freshly roasted as possible. Okay. And what about um, bulletproof coffee? Because I've heard that that's, I've heard that it's really mouldy and I've heard that it's not mouldy. Do we know anything about bulletproof? No. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard that. I, okay. I know that it's tested, so, um, but I don't know how often to test it. Okay. All right. I'll go away and do my research. Um, somebody is asking on Instagram, what is coffee's effect on my blood sugar? So uh, what I can say, I've got something I guess I can add from a personal perspective and then from a, a research perspective, which is in certainly the long term, it is essentially anti-diabetic. So it has a positive impact on supporting and regulating glucose levels. Hence, mm -hmm. we see a reduced risk in metabolic disease, type 2 diabetes by 25%. But then also when we think about some of the reduced risk of things like Alzheimer's disease, which many of your listeners will obviously know has been referred to as type 3 diabetes, then there's a kind of a mechanism whereby because coffee has this positive impact on blood sugar regulation, that's one of the other mechanisms by which it might have a reduced risk for some of these other conditions as well. Mm. Um, and then from a personal perspective, having done a sort of 24-7 blood glucose monitor, Coffee doesn't impact my blood sugar at all. So I can have it on an empty stomach first thing in the morning and my blood sugar levels remain stable, uh, which That's I was so actually quite surprised by. Um, I did the same thing, Alex. 24-7, Freestyle Libre, 
coffee on an empty stomach, my blood sugar went da- dangerously low, like dangerously low. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? Because <laughs> I always would have assumed it would be the opposite because if it's inducing that you know, stress response, then we... we mobilize glucose um in those situations i was looking at that being like oh my god i need to eat i need to eat something now um so that yeah (laughs) super interesting a couple more questions um why does coffee keep me up all night no matter what time of day i drink it Hmm. well the obvious answer is obviously just around tolerance and someone who is very slow at metabolizing the caffeine. So I think it's is it the CYP1A2 gene, isn't it? That's kind of heavily yeah. discussed. There are a couple of others in the research as well, but that's the main one. So it could be that they're just a super slow metabolizer. My my assumption is going to be that maybe there's something else going on or something else is impacting the kind of that gene or that enzyme in its ability to do its job when someone's just that sensitive, or maybe they are just like a genuine outlier and they can have a coffee at 6am and they're still going to be wide awake at midnight. So that's, yeah. that's really, I guess, the most obvious evidence-based answer. I don't know, Al, if you've read or been told anything else that could be considered. No, I think, it, yeah, the only thing is the, the genes that, like mm. you mentioned. Yeah, okay. Um, Al, I'm really keen to know from your perspective about brewing methods. So obviously we've covered the fact that coffee can be incredibly powerful a really potent addition to our our health and our well-being um but you know taking into account personal tolerance what about brewing methods you know where where can we expect the the least reduction in in that polyphenol content yeah so really every stage of processing coffee kind of from farm to cup has a huge impact on the the polyphenol levels which is magnified at each stage from the the sourcing and how it's grown in the plantations how it's processed how it's roasted has a big impact and then finally to the brewing method has a big impact on it so on the brewing side specifically there there's a lot of different studies and a lot of different research talking about comparing different brewing methods to each other but they all seem really inconclusive the only conclusive research that I've actually read that makes sense that really rings true is that taking it back to a chemical reaction so the extraction of polyphenols from coffee is a chemical reaction like any other like any other chemical reaction um, there are certain things that speed it up or make it more efficient like the temperature of the water so if you use a slightly hotter water temperature in your brewing method it's likely to extract more polyphenols the grind size or the size of the surface area of the reactants so you have Mm -hmm. a finer grind size to make a more efficient uh, time uh, extraction and also the, the steeping time, so the amount of time you leave the, the coffee in the water for. So if you use a cafetiere, for example, um, four minutes is recommended, but if you leave it a bit longer, four and a half minutes, five minutes, then you're likely to extract more polyphenols. But all of this okay. is a real balancing act because all of those things, if taken too far, can negatively impact the, the taste of the, and the flavour of the coffee. So you kind mm. of, you've got to find your own personal sweet spot, really. Okay. And Alex, um, final question. Uh, what about this this idea of adrenal fatigue and excessive caffeine consumption over many, many years? Mm. So, uh, good question. 
The first thing to consider is I think our understanding of adrenal fatigue obviously has changed over the last sort of few years that most people are now aware of. So mm. um, there was certainly a paper that I stumbled across when I did my I did my MSc dissertation in um, glucocorticoid resistance in chronic fatigue syndrome. So pr- basically cortisol resistance. And there was a paper discussing that this idea of low cortisol in our sort of saliva tests that were very popular back in the day um, may actually be a sort of an adaptive response. It may be something the body has deliberately done. And the theory of this paper was that it could be related to a chronic infection or chronic inflammatory state. Because obviously cortisol is a immune mediator as much as it is kind of a stress hormone. It's a potent anti-inflammatory. We think of our corticosteroids from hospitals and medications and things like this. Mm -hmm. So um, I think the best question to always ask on any topic is, you know, why would the body do this deliberately? Because most of the time that's what's happening um, is my kind of current thought process with almost anything So the idea that you have adrenal fatigue, whereby your adrenal glands have kind of shriveled up like prunes and they're now tired and they're not producing adequate levels of cortisol is kind of an outdated concept. And it's more associated with either immune inflammatory stuff or brain stuff. Um, You know, when we think about the HPA axis, the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis within the adrenals producing cortisol, we have to appreciate that the brain has a key role to play within regulating cortisol outputs. So could there be some sort of brain dysfunction that's actually contributing to this? Um, And obviously brain dysfunction can be driven through inflammatory immune stuff in the body as well. So it kind of opens up a big can of worms there ultimately. Um, For me, with my current understanding, I don't think there's a really a strong argument for this idea of the old idea or our old understanding of adrenal fatigue and therefore you need to avoid caffeine to get better. Um, Mm. I don't think those mechanisms tie up. There might be other reasons why we need to sort of modulate that, um, but I don't think it's anywhere like what we used to think about, if that makes sense. Yeah, Um, that does. So I don't think I've ever had anyone where I've been like, I really think you absolutely have to come off your coffee. because again, it comes back to this idea of there's more to health um, than nutrition and, and not having coffee. And there's more mm-hmm. to nutrition and coffee than health. So like Al said with the brewing, it's kind of a balance with that as well. Um, and if you, like me, you know, that ritual in the morning is a real highlight. Um, and to take that away from me is impacting my soul a little bit, quite frankly. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I I hear you. I think um, that's a really balanced uh, view and a really good way of of looking at it. Um, So, dear listeners, because I have not upgraded my Zoom, Zoom is going to crash on me in three minutes and 11 seconds. So I guess my final thought with this is that the caveat to everything we've been saying about the positive health benefits to coffee is that the research and and literature on this is looking at black coffee, you know, just coffee and water. And that if you are going to have a pumpkin spice latte, then a lot of these benefits are probably not going to be there in the same quantities. Um, and that actually, for me as a health professional, asking people, you know, firstly how they're brewing their coffee and what coffee it is they're using if it's not already exhaled but then also what they're having with it is a really uh interesting um idea to kind of bring into this 
discussion, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, context is, is always what matters the most. Um, and we all have a tendency to be a little bit black and white and reductionistic in our thinking sometimes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. Um, and then any final words from you, Al, as uh, founder extraordinaire of the yummiest <laughs> coffee company that's going? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I guess my favourite analogy with coffee or my favourite story with coffee is that basically to help people understand why it can be healthy is that all coffee actually comes from a fruit and uh, a coffee bean isn't actually a bean it's a seed that grows inside a cherry the rubicai cherry Um, and that cherry grows on a tree and just like any other fruit is packed full of all of these healthy compounds uh, polyphenols and the, the phytochemicals that Alex has mentioned Um, and you know we were always told to eat the rainbow and the healthiest foods are the most colourful. Well, coffee goes through all the colours of rainbow as the rainbow as it ripens, and we just try and retain more of that healthy goodness uh, than anybody else is the, the goal. Amazing! Thank you guys both so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Grace. Thanks, Grace. Thank you so much again for tuning into State of Mind. I can't believe we've come to the end of another series. If you have any requests for podcast episodes, topics that you'd like me to cover, do send them to me via Instagram DM. That's probably the easiest place. And yeah, have a look at the back catalogue. There's so much to choose from. Thank you so much again. Um, and I'll talk to you all very soon. Bye bye.